really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. you that are visiting it's great to have you here just to explain a little bit about what we do um, our church leader is away at the moment he's now in Nigeria so please continue to hold him in your prayers to hold David in your prayers and obviously Bev as well it's been a long time but we're more than halfway so we're holding both of you so much in prayer and knowing that God is he's just doing amazing things over in Nigeria and also the stuff that happened in Pakistan as well. So as a church family, let's just continue to really hold David and Bev um, in our prayers. We, as you know, those of you that come regularly, our approach to worship is generally intergenerational. We enjoy worshiping together with children right from the youngest right to the oldest. Sometimes we do go out with the children and this morning is one of those mornings. So in a minute, the children are gonna come out through that door at the back and into the ark. Those of you that are visiting, your children obviously are more than welcome as well. If your children have got any allergies or anything that I need to know, please let me know before we go out. If your children are really young and you'd prefer to come with them, then obviously come as well, but we're more than happy. We're obviously all DBS checked and all the safeguarding things are in, definitely in place, so please feel you can trust us if you want your children to come out. Fantastic. So in a minute, we're going to go out with the children. The rest of you are going to stay in here. We look forward to hearing David preaching this morning. Um, but we thought it'd be really good, particularly we've got a number of visitors, just have a time of welcome to go around and say hello to everybody, introduce yourselves. If anybody wants prayer, then ask somebody to pray for you. But let's just say hello and welcome to everybody. Okay, so welcome everybody. It's so lovely to see you this morning, and I'd like you to give you a really warm welcome. Each one of you is special, and we want you to all to feel the love of Jesus as together we worship and hear God's word for us today. If you're a visitor or new to the church, you're very welcome, and we're privileged to have you here this morning. You may have come in a stranger, but I pray that by the time you go, you'll feel at home. Um, we do invite you to stay for tea and coffee if there is any. <laughs> you may have been given a welcome pack when you arrived, but if not, just ask anyone you see at the front or collect one from the foyer. Inside the pack, you'll find a welcome card. Yep, we've got it up on the screen. Do fill it in and give it to a member of the welcome team that you saw as you came or someone you see at the front as we'd like to keep connected with you. The cards can also be found on the church website and you can fill it in online. One of the leaders will be in touch with you shortly. Okay, so missions. Great. So... We've already heard a little bit about David in Nigeria and that he's also been in Pakistan ministering there. But let's be committed to praying for him. You can see his itinerary if you scan the QR code. 
Uh, we also, I think, have itineraries at the back. We did. I'm not sure if we've got any more at the moment. No. Okay, so down the QR code. Um, his itinerary in Nigeria is very full, and therefore we need to pray for his spiritual and physical strength and protection, amongst other things. So if you want to be in contact and part of a prayer group, this is the number that you need. Um, it's a global number, and you can use that. And there's an email address as well. Right. Now there are some exciting forthcoming events for young people. Sinead and Harold are starting a group for teenagers in the church who are in year seven, that's those turning 12, up to the age of 19. Their first meeting will be today after the service and they'll meet in the ark to make themselves known to you and make you feel welcome to the group. The next meeting, which will involve playing lots of different types of games, which mostly I don't know about because they're on the computer, will be on Friday, December the 1st at 6.30. I have some more exciting news. Our Ladies Reflect group, which regularly meets every Friday at 4 in the Ark, is starting a new six-week series called How to Read Your Bible. So does the Bible feel too in intimidating and complex? Does understanding it feel impossible so you don't even try? In this six-week study, we want to help you understand why the Bible is the greatest tool we have. We want to open your eyes to the way the Old Testament and New Testament connect and show you the purpose of each book of the Bible. Here is a short trailer to get you excited about this new series and want to come along. So we are embarking on one of the most important studies I will ever teach. We're going to cover the entire Bible, what it's about, the different books, why it's confusing, and why you open it in a random place and you don't understand what you're reading and studying. We're going to change that in six weeks. History teaches us the mistakes, successes, wins, and failures of those who have gone before us. More importantly, the wise will read this and apply the lessons that the children of God missed. These books tell us that God is faithful to his covenant. They show us who Jesus is, what Jesus is about, his words, his ways, his work. See, our God did not want to leave us alone. So he left us not just with the Holy Spirit. He left us with this book. And what he wanted from them was for them to love him with all their heart. But if you keep reading, ooh, it doesn't go that way, right? <laughs> it reminds me that following the Lord is simple but hard. Oh. Jesus is God and came to earth to rescue us. What this means for us today is that we aren't much different than our Hebrew homies. They sinned and turned their back against God, and guess what? So do we. You will feel like all of a sudden, instead of having to go to other people to give you God, you get to go yourself to the Word of God and understand it. So come on, let's do this. It's the greatest book that has ever been written. So come on, ladies, let's do this on Friday afternoons at four o'clock in the ark. Okay, now we're going to just think about giving. There are many ways we can give to God, and I've lost my. Oh no, I haven't. It's here. 
we can give our love, worship, thanksgiving, our time, our service, and also our finances. Giving is about, about the heart. It's about living with the attitude that we've been blessed to be a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There are different ways we can give cheerfully. We can put money or a cheque in an envelope, which you will find at the back of the church on top of a little wooden box, and then you put your envelope in that box. You can pay directly into the bank by standing order, and also you can give online. If you scan the QR code that we see here, um, you can go simply to the church website and give your gift in that way. You can also download a gift aid form to help us redeem money from the government on the tax you pay. So it's all explained on these envelopes, but also you can use that to put your money or your cheque into the box. A few extras. Don't forget Cosmic Comets on Wednesday the 11th and alternate Wednesdays. Burley's Wood services at the Old People's Home just around the corner on alternate Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. Encounter Night is on Friday the 13th. Sunday the 15th, we have our Bring and Share lunch. And as Bev has already mentioned, Sunday the 29th, the light parties. Thank you for listening and being so patient. Okay, we're going to now be continuing our series in Matthew chapter 5. I'm sure you know where we are. That's good. I want to begin by just letting you know, in case you, you, you missed that the actual Beatitudes that we're looking at, the eight Beatitudes, they're actually all part of a longer sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you see as I put up, it goes from chapters 5, 6, and 7. So that's three whole chapters, one sermon. Now, I wonder how long it would take me to preach three chapters of the Bible. We might make it by the lighthouse service. <laughs> but I... One of the interesting things, right at the beginning of Matthew 5, in verse 1, it says, now, Jesus went up in the mountain, he took his disciples with him, and he sat down and he taught. Now, Ian, I suggest we need a chair for me to sit down. <laughs> Jesus sat down and he taught multitudes, and he didn't have a microphone or a PA. And that's one of the things I often wonder when I'm reading the New Testament, how did he do it? But he did it. But fortunately, we have got the words written down here. So, and I have a, a, a challenge for you. I was going to say homework, but you won't do it. But tr try and go home. And in this coming week, read chapters 5, 6, and 7. Read the Sermon on the Mount. 
I did it last week. It took me 16 minutes and 36 seconds. Now, if you're, I'm a slow reader, and if you're competitive, you can try, see if you can beat me. <laughs> but don't stop and try and analyze everything. Just read it through. And the other thing I wanted you to understand is that you know, the disciples were there, and they sat and they heard it, as well as the multitudes, but they didn't understand it all in one go. In fact, if you look at the way they behaved, having had three years with Jesus, even after three years, having heard the Sermon on the Mount, having heard all his other teachings, they still abandoned him. One of them still swear, swore when he was asked, did he know Jesus? We're talking about a lifetime of trying to understand and put into practice what Jesus wants. Okay? So don't get upset if you think, you read the whole th three chapters and think, I'm, I better give up now. <laughs> Jesus is changing us day by day, year by year. Okay, so let's, let's move on. So the Beatitudes, there are, there are eight Beatitudes. You can see them up there. They're, different people put them in different groups. But we're, today, we're on number four. They begin and end, poor in spirit, they will enter the, enter the kingdom, they will, and the persecuted finishes off with those who enter the kingdom, who have the kingdom. But we're looking today at the fourth beatitude. But before I look at that, the word blessed, what does it mean? I always used to think it meant happy. And, but actually, that's not a very good translation. I mean, if you're persecuted, put in prison, reviled, are you happy? You're blessed, the Bible says, but being happy depends often on our circumstances. It depends on our emotion. And it's sometimes just depending on what's happening around us. But when God blesses us, the circumstances are secondary. And I hope you all see that as, as we go on. Because, I mean, happiness depends on sometimes very small things. Last Tuesday evening, at about 10 o'clock, I was not happy. Crystal Palace lost 3-0 to Manchester United. I was not happy. But it does say, mourn with those who mourn. <laughs> but yesterday, at 5 o'clock, I was a happy bunny. Because <laughs> we beat Manchester United at United 1-0. I'm sorry, Chris, but uh, and I'm a, it's a shame that David's not here with us. But I will let him know. Hopefully, David, if you're watching this, 1-0 at Old Trafford. <laughs> but, you know, I was still blessed when Palace lost. My life was still blessed. Blessed means to be happy, 
a little bit, not really, but it's about being content, being satisfied, and being favoured. And that's what these Beatitudes are about. It's about being blessed by God, being favoured by God. And it's learning how to live in, in the blessing of God. Life is full of ups and downs, but no matter what happens, there is a place of favour and blessedness that God has for us. And these Beatitudes help us to understand that and to see through that. So we're looking, as I say, at the fourth Beatitude. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, or they shall be filled. I'm sure maybe most of you will have heard that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. And that is a, a promise of God, but, and we can be blessed. And it's an easy verse to remember. I think of most of my Christian life I've known that, but I've never heard anyone preach on it. I've never heard myself preach on it. I've mentioned it in sermons, but I've actually found this quite challenging. So I'm a bit, I say nervous about giving this, but one of the verses I do not like is when Paul, when Paul says, you know, let not many of you be teachers of the word of God because you'll be judged with greater strictness. So, so I'm going to be judged with a greater strictness than you are this morning. So let's now consider two things we need to look at first. Or well, for, for two things. We need to look at the nature of righteous, that righteousness that Jesus has in view and the nature of our hunger and thirst for it. So there are two things I want to look at. So the first thing I want to look at is the nature of God's righteousness. I've put a load of verses up there. Whether there be copies of this available later, I'm not going to, to go into that. But we're going to look at the nature of God's righteousness and then we'll look at the nature of, 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 of our righteousness. In Romans chapters 1 to 8, Paul explains to us really that the heart of the gospel. In chapter 1, verse 17, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and to then to the Gentiles. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from first to last. A righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. Amen? There is a righteousness that is revealed in the gospel that it comes by faith in Jesus. And he goes on 
throughout the next chapters in Romans to explain and unwrap that. And, you know, he says, first of all, there is nobody righteous, nobody, none are righteous, not one. He says, now, we have all sinned, he says, and fallen short of God's glory. So we're all in the same boat. We are, before God, we're unrighteous, and we deserve God's punishment, and we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve death. But God, in his great love, he sent Jesus to come. And I'm not going to spend too long here. I'm doing my best not to. I, I, I get excited over these things. <laughs> it talks about the gift of righteousness. But I, I want to pick up now two verses just to, to finish this part. If you turn with me to the second book of Colossians and chapter 5. I've decided to give you time to look it up for yourselves. We're becoming, we've lost the habit of bringing Bibles with us. Did you? One of the things that I love about preaching in India is like if I said, now we're going to look up 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 within maybe 10 seconds somebody in the congregation would stand up and read it out I mean I couldn't understand it it was in Tamil <laughs> but they're just so quick and it gives me a time to look at it myself <laughs> and when it's being interpreted I can find it and hopefully I'm there, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. I'm on 2, 21. It says that he made him, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wonderful exchange called justification. That's a, that sounds like a long theological word. I like the easy version which says justification is just as if I've never sinned. Amen? When Jesus died on the cross, our sin was placed on him. He bore our punishment. He bore all that we deserved so that when we put our faith and trust in him, we receive all the, his righteous love life deserved. We received the blessings. He received the curses. Isn't that wonderful? Yes? Okay, you have that. One last verse on this. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Bethany, you can read it out in Tamil to make me feel at home. <laughs> One Peter two twenty four. Here we are. Talking about Jesus, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Amazing 
us, that he bore our sins so that we might live for righteousness. And Paul, as he goes through Romans, he's talking about the reigning in life by receiving God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. And then he says this. He says, well, what shall we say to these things? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Because that is a danger. We think, oh, we're saved by grace. We have the righteousness of Jesus. Hallelujah. So the conclusion, well, why don't we, it doesn't really matter how we live. It's all by faith. And Paul writes, what should we say to these things? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? And he says, may it never be. I love the way J.B. Phillips' version says, he says, what a ghastly thought. <laughs> what a terrible thought. I love that. So I wanted to lay that foundation. Now we want to look at our righteousness, right living. It's living according to the word of God, living according to God's law, doing what is just and right and acceptable in his sight. And when you look at the way righteousness is used in Matthew's Gospel, that's how it's used. In fact, when Jesus was baptised in Matthew chapter 4, you'll read that he came to John the Baptist and John said, no, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy even to undo your sandals. You, know, you should baptise me. But Jesus said, no, you baptise me to fulfil all righteousness, to do what is right. Now, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, See, the, the thing about righteousness, I think it's, the word hasn't got a very good press, has it? I mean, I've not heard of anyone coming up to me and saying, oh, hello, David, how are you doing in righteousness today? How were you righteous last week? I know someone's going to come and say that to me now. <laughs> but we don't use that. In fact, I think the time we use righteousness is really to do with the Pharisees, you know, self-righteousness. We talk about self-righteous people. Oh, they're self-righteous, they're self-righteous. But we don't talk about, oh, he's righteous. And for some unknown reason, I can't work out why, we, it, it doesn't have a good press. You know, you don't get many Christian books about, you know, how to be righteous. You get loads on how to do this, how to do that, how to have your ministry fulfilled, how to be happy and all the rest of it, but we don't get much on, on righteousness. And yet when you read the scriptures, there's so much about righteousness. And it occurs actually five times in the Sermon on the Mount. We've read that in our 
our text for today. But if you look in chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And, and they persecute you. And it goes on. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who have been persecuted. Then if you go down to verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a tough saying, isn't it? Wow. I mean, if you want to know what the standards are, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the law said if you don't commit murder. Jesus raises the bar higher and says, even if you, you know, think about hurting somebody, if you call your brother a fool or a good for nothing, he said, that's, that's the same. The standards are raised. Jesus, and we're told that our righteousness succeed that of the Pharisees. We think, well, I mean, their righteousness is quite good. Many of them kept the laws. I mean, they added lots of other laws and they became very proud and self-righteous. And Jesus condemned that and condemned them. There was no compassion. But he says that our righteousness should exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes. If you go to chapter 6, Verse 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by others. You will have no reward with your Father in heaven. And I think it's like the collection that Jesus talked about. You remember Jesus was standing by the collection box in the temple and these you know, rich people were coming, making a big display of putting their money in. You know, look at me, oh, I've given that, I've given that, I've given the other. And this poor widow comes and she puts a mite in. She didn't make a big fuss. She didn't have the trumpets blowing. She crept, I presume, and just dropped it in. Jesus said, that means more to God than anything. The others have their reward. There were two men praying. There was a Pharisee that was praying on the street corner, saying, oh, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. I'm not like this guy here. I'm more righteous than him. I'm better. I thank you, God, for that. And next to him was a, a man who was beating his chest, his head down. He said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Poor in spirit he was. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. Amen. The Pharisee had his reward from men. Oh, what a spiritual man he is. Praying on the street corners. Wonderful words. But our righteousness has to exceed that. So have you... Got the difference. There is the righteousness we have as a gift. That's our salvation. 
but we are then called to live a righteous life. Now, not just live it, but it says we are to hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I find that very challenging. Very challenging because the question, the big question that I've asked myself this week and we have to answer is what do you hunger and thirst for in your life? What are you hungering and thirsting after? And I, I found that very, very challenging. See, most people, I think they hunger and they thirst after all kinds of things. You know, we all hunger and thirst after things. But this, when Jesus is talking about hunger and thirsting, is a, a, a deep desire. Now, most of us, as far as I know, I certainly have never actually been in a place where I have been hungry. I mean, really hungry. I know as a, as a child, I often would come home from school and say to my mum, when is tea ready? Oh, it'll be another half hour. A half hour? I'm starving. I'm starving. Of course, I, I wasn't starving. But I thought I was. But this is a, a, a deep hunger and, and thirst that we need to have. It's a, a, a restlessness and a longing. And that needs to be for righteousness. I would say that most people hunger and thirst after happiness. We all want to be happy. We, we, everybody wants to be happy. And people, they, they want to be happy and basically go after all kinds of things. I mean, you think, well, you know, I'd be a lot happier if I had more money. And we can go and pursue money. We might want more fame. I, I hunger and thirst. I want to be recognised at work more. I, I want that promotion. And we, if we hunger and thirst off it, that begins to consume us. There are possessions. We hunger and thirst after things. And all advertising is kind of tuning in to the hunger and thirst that we have for things. You know, I get a, a monthly magazine, it's called Guitarist, and I look through the pages, and it's the latest equipment, latest guitars. And if I don't watch out, I can be hungering and thirsting after another guitar. <laughs> we think we'll be fulfilled when we have things. I always thought I'd be so happy if I ever had a new car, you know, a brand new car. And I actually had one when we lived in Mauritius. It's a long story, but it was cheaper for me to buy a new car than a second-hand car because of taxes. And I was working for the overseas development agency, so I, I, was, I could get tax-free cars, no import duties, everything, and no UK taxes. So I got this car, one, I've got a new car, and I, I'm going to 
polish it every week. I'm going to underseal it. It's not going to have a speck of dust on it. Oh, it was wonderful. I'm so happy. Well, two months later, it was just like any other car I've ever had. Dirty. <laughs> I'll try and get the gardener to clean it for me if it gets. It doesn't fulfill. We desire things, and when we get them, most possessions disappoint us, don't they? Not only that, if they are good, they break or they wear out, or they can get stolen. You see, when we become, as part of becoming a Christian, it goes through the Beatitudes. We have to be poor in spirit. That means we realize in our, of ourselves we're poor. We've sinned. We have a fallen nature. But when we do that, we realize that actually God is the answer. Then when we, we mourn over, over sin, that's good. And we receive God's comfort and God's help. And then it talks about being meek, gentle, humble, inheriting the kingdom. It's wonderful. And then God says we'll be filled if we seek hunger and thirst after righteousness. We haven't arrived. And this side of heaven, we won't have arrived fully in. I still sin. I still need God's grace. I still need his forgiveness. But I like to think I'm growing a bit. And you say, well, you know, how do we hunger and thirst? Well, I have a word. Is How hungry are you for God's word? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he hadn't eaten for 40 days, he was hungry and he was thirsty. And the devil came to him and said to him, Jesus, you know, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. And, he, and Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I want to encourage you today to get into the habit of reading your Bible. I'm going to just read out to you some verses from Psalms just to, I think, might encourage and stir you to do these things. In Psalm 119, verse 160, the psalmist says, All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Psalm 119, 172, it says, May my tongue sing of your word. For all your commands are righteous. Psalm 106, verse 3 says this How blessed are those who keep justice and practice righteousness at all times. Can you see the importance of righteousness and the word? 
Psalm 119, it says, How blessed are those who observe his testimonies and seek him with all their hearts. Luke 11:28, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now we need to be people who are, as we seek a thirst for righteousness, we need to, to thirst for the word of God. Because we can't thirst for righteousness if you don't know what it is. What we should be doing. And I would encourage you to read your Bibles every day. Every day. There are lots of different reading plans you can get. I, I've always used notes. To start with, at the back there, there's some that start actually in November. The word for today, simple, it's just one, one verse and a comment on it. But as you do it every day, God speaks to you. My reading this morning was Psalm 112, and it starts off about blessed. He says, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who, who loves your word, something like that. My memory's not so good. I read it this morning, I've forgotten it already. <laughs> but, oh, my delight, my, blessed is the man whose delight is in the word. Thank you, love. Read your Bibles. And over the years, you'll become blessed. You'll become filled and satisfied. Last weekend, we had some friends visiting us, Norman and Carol. <clears throat> you may have met them, they came to church. But Norman and Carol, they, I was at school with Norman. Yes, I went to school. <laughs> Didn't learn much, but I went to school. <laughs> and if he told you any stories from my school days, don't believe them. <laughs> I wasn't quite that bad. Well, most probably I was, but... Uh, but I, when I became a Christian in about 17, Norman had come to stay with his sister and he took me along to church. I'd just become a Christian through Crusader class and we went along to the church. It was an Anglican church and I could say a lot more about going there. But one of the things in the youth club there that I, I went to, one of the things that I learned was to read my Bible and to pray every day. I mean, it's simple, but that's what they taught me. And the leaders, they practiced it. And I kind of, that was the atmosphere. And so I thought, and that's what I began to do. And same with, with Norman and in that youth club, he met his wife, I met my wife. So they've been married a year longer than us. And having uh, this weekend together, they came down from Bury St. Edmunds. We, we look back and we say, praise God for his faithfulness. Praise God. And we both think that because we have had all those years of daily getting into the word of God. Daily reading his word. And we are satisfied. I'm satisfied with what God has given me. In fact, I'm overwhelmed. Overwhelmed what God has given me. 
and I've tried and often failed to live a righteous life. And as I've, when you first become a Christian, you often you don't know what's right and what's wrong. But as you gradually read the Word of God, you, you begin to understand, oh, oh, I shouldn't be doing that, I shouldn't be doing this. And that's God taking you on a journey. Jesus didn't expect his disciples after the Sermon on the Mount to be perfect. They took a long time to get there. God is gracious with you. But if you have a desire to do that, you can do that. You see, we all want to be blessed, but often with things. But Jesus said, didn't he, um, Luke, and um, I've lost it now, but he, Jesus said this. Seek after saying about, don't worry about what you shall eat, don't worry about what you'll drink, don't worry where you'll live. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added. So we need to seek God first, his kingdom, his righteousness, and these things will come. And often we make the mistake of seeking the things and asking God to provide them when we should be seeking God first. I want to close by praying. I want to re read a prayer. Um, I don't often do this, but I came across this prayer. It was written by a man called A.W. Tozer, famous kind of preacher and author from before my time. I think he was a reply in my time. It's caught in a book called The Pursuit of God. Has anyone ever heard of that book? No, no. It's a shame. I actually went to look for it on my books shelf and realised that because I, I gave a lot of my books away a couple of months ago to go to Africa, to go to Kenya for a, a Bible school and a, and a library for pastors out there, and it went. But this, I found this expressed what I was feeling having prepared this message. So I'm going to pray, you can pray it along with me if you, if you can and, and say amen, but it, it, I think it's a good prayer. So let's pray. O oh God, I have tasted your goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I'm painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I'm ashamed of my lack of desire, O oh God, the triune God. I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me your glory, I pray, so that I may know you indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And then give me grace to rise up and to follow you from this misty lowland where I've been wandering for so long. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, may God bless you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to have a final song.
I don't know, hopefully somebody will be making some teas and coffees. Any? So, oh, so Sophie's doing it, somebody join her, there will be teas and coffees afterwards. Okay, Chris, over to you. And we just place everything into your hands, knowing that as we leave this place, we take you with us into our weeks. We praise you for who you are, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you, just take your seats for a minute. We've just got something really important to do because this week it's a very special day for Margaret. It's your birthday, isn't it? Yeah. And so it's really important that we sing happy birthday to Margaret. And come and stand with me. She's, she didn't want to do it, so she's going to come and stand with me. And are there any other birthdays that we've either missed or that are coming up? Come on then, darling. When's your birthday? In October. In October, of course. Very good answer. So I think it's next Sunday, but just in case we don't do birthdays next Sunday, we're going to sing happy birthday to Imogen as well now. Uh, any other birthdays? So it's just happy birthday to Margaret and to Imogen. Just a remind, reminder, because straight after the service, Harold and Sinead are going back into the ark with any um, secondary school age children and they're just going to chat to them and get to know them and think about what's going to happen with our youth work in the future. So pizza will be cooking and they're going to go around to the back and only four teenagers. I saw you Mike, you don't get any I'm afraid. Okay, so shall we sing happy birthday to Margaret and Imogen? Are we ready? Happy birthday to Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless. Yeah.